Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast. As I am recording this right now, the Marlins are playing what could be one of the last spring training games of the year and one of the last baseball games for a little bit of time. Unfortunately, I would love to talk about anything else to open up the show, but the elephant in the room, of course, the elephant in the world right now is the coronavirus, which has put the sports world on halt and the entire world on halt for that matter. And whether it's a stock market, colleges, work, you name it, just everything is a little bit chaotic right now. And I recorded a podcast yesterday talking about some players that could make the opening day roster. And my mistake, I really did not consider how much this could unfold and what pausing the sports world could do in terms of what the Marlins' decisions are with the roster that they have to now make finalized with potentially the last dozen or more spring training games not being played. Because that changes everything, right? You you want to see a lot from some of these players that are trying to make the team, and now they're not going to get a chance to make the team. So that changes a lot. And I really didn't have the foresight in yesterday's episode to think about that when I talked about some of the players and whether they had a shot to make the team. And it's one of those things I guess you just don't really consider, the fact that all leagues will be put on halt, just stopped, like no more sports. When have we ever seen this before? It is absolutely wild. And it's very possible by the time I'm done recording this, the MLB will come out and say spring training is done. So that was probably the most likely outcome. So what does that mean for the Marlins? Uh, It's probably going to mean that some of the things I talked about in yesterday's podcast might change a little bit. So with the roster, you still have those shoe-in players that will be fine. You'd like them to get some more at-bats, but you know what? It's an even playing field. All the players are going to get less live at-bats. Maybe they can make up for it in practice, but that's not as much of the concern. Some of the other concern, of course, beyond health and and everything like that, everyone's well-being is the most important. But if we're going to talk about just roster implications, that is going to really hurt the veterans. Uh, Matt Kemp, Sean Rodriguez, those guys who are really hoping to crack the big league roster, they don't look like they're going to have a chance. The Marlins did not see enough of Matt Kemp to consider him uh, one of the 26 players on the roster. I don't think they saw enough of Sean Rodriguez to consider him to be one of the 26 players on the roster. And not that they would have made a last-ditch move in the last 12 games to make it because Matt Kemp was definitely struggling. It just pretty much ends all hope for him. In terms of how the bullpen could unfold, Brad Boxberger has shown enough, I think, at this point to make the team. And he has been an incredible story that I want to talk about in depth in the second half of the podcast because Boxberger is a really interesting case. But with Matt Kemp, Sean Rodriguez, and some of the prospects that were trying to prove themselves, I was talking about Monte Harrison in yesterday's podcast about how he should be on the opening day roster. I still think he should be on the opening day roster, but it seems like it would be much more realistic for the Marlins now to start him in AAA given the fact that his 2019 season was abbreviated and then now he's not going to get as many at-bats under his belt in spring training. I stand by the fact that I think he's ready to start in the bigs, but I think it's much more feasible now that the Marlins could send him to AAA and it's a much less controversial decision by the Marlins because they're just going to probably default to he want we want him to get some more at-bats 
and get some more experience under his belt as, as he wasn't able to in spring training. So that's going to probably be the case with Monte Harrison, but you never know. They might end up starting him in the bigs. There's still a lot that needs to unravel for that decision to be made, but it seems like with spring training being canceled potentially, it probably increases the chances of Monte Harrison starting in AAA, and that's not the end of the world as much as I'd love to see him on the opening day roster. It's fine, and he will be up soon enough, assuming the season starts right around on time. But for Matt Kemp and Rodriguez, I would say they're pretty much cooked unless scientists can find the specific genetically modified mice with the human gene ACE2 to make a coronavirus vaccine as soon as possible, which these mice are impossible to find according to reports, and they're going to have to be bred, and it's going to take a few weeks. So unless those mice are found I in, by tomorrow, I don't think Matt Kemp or Sean Rodriguez will be making the team. So that is unfortunate. I was hoping Matt Kemp would have a little bit of that 2018 revival. He's a fun player. He's a veteran. He seems like he's had a good effect on Monte Harrison next to him in the clubhouse. And Monte Harrison said he was picking his brain a lot. So at least, you know, he still had that veteran presence to a degree, was still able to talk to the young guys and have an effect. But you would have loved to, at least I would have loved to have him have that Curtis Granderson effect. But what it looks like now is he would have had the Curtis Granderson effect on the field too, which means he probably would have hit about 180 with 10 home runs. So that's that in terms of some of the veterans that were trying to make the team. But what does it mean for the rest of the bullpen? I'm going to talk about Boxberger later, but it's kind of interesting. Adam Conley, who seemed dead to rights, now has kind of had this little bounce back resurgence. And it seems like the Marlins have really wanted to give him every single chance that they can because of the ceiling, the high ceiling he has, given that he's a tall lefty with a funky delivery and pretty good stuff when he can harness it. So the fact that he settled in after a little bit of a rough start to spring training and is now right around a 3-5-2 ERA in seven and two-thirds innings, he's still gotten knocked around a little bit, giving up 10 hits, but the eight strikeouts and four walks is not terrible. It's a little bit better than what he had been doing command-wise in the past. So I think with Adam Conley, he's probably going to stick now. And the Marlins are going to give him one last chance in the beginning of the season to, you know, try and pitch against lefties. But you got that new rule. He's going to have to get righties too. And so the fact that he was a starting pitcher before should help him. You know, he was able to get right-handed hitters out for a while when he was having those good years earlier in his career as a starter. So maybe he can tap back into that. The Marlins are really holding out hope that he can Drew Steckenrider is another case that is a really unique one. All of a sudden, it feels like a dream when Drew Steckenrider and Kyle Bearclaw were one of the best one-two punches for a stretch in the entire major leagues in terms of a bullpen arms because neither of them were giving up runs for a good stretch in the summer. I believe it was 2018. It feels like a lifetime ago. And both of them hit the wall hard. Kyle Baraclaw was able to climb back a little bit with the Nationals, but otherwise, it looks like Steckenrider is just losing it. He has hit the wall in terms of his ability to get batters out at all. He had a six-something ERA in just 15 innings last year, and the most peculiar part about it is how much he's gotten away from his fastball. A fastball that could run into the upper 90s, sat in the mid-90s, 
when he was good in 2018, he threw it 76% of the time. And he only threw the slider 4% of the time. And then he had this harder cutter that he threw 16% of the time. And then even a changeup that he mixed in 4% of the time. Last year, albeit just 15 innings, or make that actually 14 innings, he only threw fastballs and sliders. Threw the fastball 62% of the time, and the slider 38% of the time. So I'm assuming that what the cutter that comes up on fan graphs, he probably grips it the same way as that slider, maybe throws it a little bit harder, but it was a different pitch. It had a higher velocity, and it didn't have as much break, but he was able to locate it better. And then he just abandoned it and went straight to that slider that he was only throwing 4% of the time because that slider that he threw 38% of the time in 2019, I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you right now, has the same velocity as the slider he was throwing 4% of the time in 2018 rather than throwing the hard cutter more frequently. Pretty much abandoned that and the changeup is nowhere to be seen. And as a result, in those 14 innings in 2019, he gave up six home runs. To put that in perspective, in 2018, he gave up seven home runs in 64 and two-thirds innings. That is unbelievable. And that just shows how much he has lost his touch in terms of being able to avoid barrels because giving up a home run every two innings is not going to keep you in the big leagues. And I know he had some arm trouble, and that's what makes it interesting. You know, he had his elbow scoped, and maybe they told him, the doctors, the pitching coaches, I don't know. I don't want to speculate, but maybe they didn't want him throwing that hard cutter as much anymore because of the potential strain it could have on his elbow. I'm not sure. Maybe he wanted to get away from it himself, but you got to think that that might have a little bit of a factor in the fact that he's now throwing the fastball less and relying more on a slider and abandoning a cutter that he actually used almost 20% of the time. So that's going to be an interesting development to see if he can really re-harness anything or if he'll even get a shot to. If, if the Marlins assign him to the minor leagues, maybe he can work on things and, and figure it out there, but I don't really see a scenario where he starts in the big leagues in the bullpen. So that is the kind of shift that I didn't expect coming into the spring. I was probably thinking that Steckenrider would turn it around before Conley, but it seems like the opposite happened. And then you have a bunch of other arms, though, throughout the bullpen that are going to be fighting for innings, which is a good problem to have. And Elysia Hernandez, who is a starter, usually will probably have to slide into the bullpen to start the year. And he'll make some spot starts here and there, but he'll be a good high leverage arm that can probably really run it up on the radar gun with a one or two max effort innings rather than trying to drag himself out in the start. And then we'll have to see from some of the other guys like Jeff Brigham and Robert Duggar and some of those other fringe type of bullpen arms as Duggar's another guy that was a starter most of his career and might end up having to slide into the bullpen as well. Sterling Sharp has been a nice, pleasant surprise and has looked like he's going to be the kind of janitor mop-up duty in the middle innings for a starter that might get knocked around and bridge the gap to the rest of the bullpen. And then you have the lock arms that are just Brandon Kinsler, Ryan Sanek, Gimme Garcia. That should all be right around there in the back end of the bullpen. And then I think that Pat Venditti is going to be a victim of the shortened or ended spring training as well. 
he didn't really get a chance to show enough. And all of a sudden, it seems like the Marlins have a lot of southpaws in the bullpen. After giving up Harlan Garcia, it seemed like the Marlins might not have enough. But now with Stephen Tarpley, with Adam Conley, and now coming up with Alex Vesia, seeing if he makes the opening day roster. If not, he'll be knocking on the door pretty quickly. The Marlins all of a sudden actually have a decent amount of lefties that they can use in different situations. So on the other side of the break, I'm going to get into Brad Boxberger and what has changed in his career from that once seemed dead, now revived to the point where he might even be considered as the Marlins' closer in 2020. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Marlins is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Marlins fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Miami Marlins fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Marlins podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com backslash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com backslash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. So Brad Boxberger... Who would have thought when I saw the Marlins tabbed him as a non-roster invitee, I figured, okay, that guy will be gone pretty quickly. No offense to Brad Boxberger, but the fact that his velocity had steadily decreased over the last few seasons and he had some surgeries, could not keep his innings count up at all. It just seemed like the classic reliever that is starting to flame out of the major leagues. So what does Boxberger do to try to revive his career, to keep his baseball career alive? He goes to Driveline. If you're not familiar with Driveline, it's a data-driven baseball training facility that really helps specifically either MLB players that are trying to recapture some velocity or college or high school level arms that are trying to make a jump in velocity to get to the next level and they've had a lot of success in doing so and it has become a growing company and training facility that a lot of big league teams very much respect and are very comfortable sending their pitchers to so boxberger goes there he ends up recapturing a lot of velocity where he was sinking down to the 90s below 92 at times by the end of last year and now he gets it up to 93 94 and some radar guns in his workout had him up as high as 96 in spring training. I think he's been more around 93, 94, but he's also gotten his spin rates up, which has become a big point of focus with a lot of pitchers today, spin rate and spin efficiency, which is a big thing that driveline focuses on as well. Of course, Trevor Bauer has worked a lot with driveline, which is unsurprising given how much he focuses on spin rate. He pretty much calls himself the spin doctor and there's a lot of correlation between spin efficiency and success with pitchers not always do pitchers with the best spin rates end up being the best pitchers but there's a correlation between the spin rates and success 
And it, there's a lot of speculation that that's what the Astros did with a lot of their veteran arms to help them kind of recapture or improve at the later stages of their game, whether it was changing their arm angle to a more effective area or maximizing those spin rates. You saw it with Charlie Morton. You saw it with Justin Verlander. And now with Boxberger, they changed his arm angle as well as it was sinking down about an inch every year, they said, which was probably as a result of one of the core surgeries he had and some deterioration to his arm and some forearm injuries. And that'll happen as pitchers get older. Their arm angle will drop a little bit lower and lower. But every pitcher based on the way they throw, the way they release the ball, has a specific arm angle that's most efficient for them for their spin rates, for their spin efficiency. And that is what driveline does. It's a more individualized approach, which is pretty much, in my opinion, what baseball is all about. It is definitely not a cookie cutter game and the same things don't work for everybody. And so now Boxberger is looking like a potential back end of the bullpen arm for the Marlins where they just found a diamond in the rough, and I saw a tweet from Craig Mish who said he could even see Boxberger as the closer potentially, which would be an insane development going from a non-roster invitee that was working out for teams to now being a major league closer. I don't know if that is going to be what happens. I don't know if the Marlins are going to do closer by committee because it looks like there's a few different options they have. Ryan Stanek, who didn't look great when he came over from the Rays, but you figure he can bounce back. It doesn't seem like Brandon Kinsler is going to be the guy that shuts the door. It seems like the Marlins are going to want him in high leverage situations in the back end of the bullpen, seventh or eighth inning. So there really is a chance that Boxberger closes games. Uh, I think ultimately Alex Vesia could be that Marlins closer of the future. But for now, it might even be a committee as well. So we'll see what the Marlins end up deciding in that regard. But no matter what for Boxberger, whether he's a sixth inning reliever, middle reliever, or you know pitching the eighth or the ninth, his story is incredible. And I would be shocked at this point if he does not make this Marlins opening day roster. So the Marlins are supposed to play the 26th. That is obviously very up in the air. I, of course, am very much hoping that the Marlins will play the 26th, but again, safety and precaution are always going to be the focus of all of us, as it should be. And this is something that we've never seen before, so I can't act like I know what's going to happen or what it means, other than the fact that it probably is going to hurt those players that were trying to make it to the team with an outside shot. That's the pretty much objective view that you can have on this. And it doesn't change much in terms of guys like Lewis Brinson. I think he was going to get a chance no matter what, unless he just absolutely fell on his face this spring, but he did the opposite. And a lot of the numbers look like he has made some adjustments, so he's going to get a chance. I would be shocked if he's not on the opening day roster. And from there, it seems like you can probably guess which Marlins will be on the opening day roster now. I don't think the decision with Monte Harrison is going to be as controversial now, as I said earlier, as it could have been if spring training continued to play out. I really pushed for it in the last podcast. I would love to see it happen. I think there's still a chance that it can happen, 
But at the end of the day, with spring training abbreviated, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Monte Harrison to get some more at-bats under his belt after only playing about 70 games last year. So we'll see what goes on now in the coming days. There's probably going to be a lot that happens from the time I upload this to the point where you are listening to it or the beginning of the podcast to the end. That's how rapidly things are developing. But I can tell you one thing that won't change is that daily podcast episodes will still be coming from me. I will still be talking about plenty with the Marlins, and it won't be all about the coronavirus, I promise. We have the prospect preview series that's still going to continue. I have some other things in store ahead, maybe some guests on the show. So it's still going to be a lot of Marlins coverage. We're going to stay positive through this and enjoy baseball as it's still going to be around the corner. We're going to make it to the other side and baseball is still going to be played in 2020. So let's just look forward to that. And I'm looking forward to talking to you all tomorrow on what will likely be a prospect centered episode.